This Agile Life. Episode 141. Letting people be vulnerable. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. I'm Craig Ruchak. And hello, Craig. I'm Amos King. And hello, Craig and Amos. This is Jason. All righty. Uh, our topic tonight. Jason uh, what? Jason what? I'm Jason Tice. Come on, Amos. Hashtag too much oh, Tice. Boy. Do I, I need to use my last name? You, 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 I, 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 I'm trying called to res- you Tice for so many years that I didn't know that there was a first name thing. I thought it was we were purely <laughs> you know, on a last name basis. It's like Elvis. Responsive to feedback, and since you know, some one of our listeners decided to create a hashtag about my last name. I'm trying to take it easy on it. <laughs> All right, uh, so we've got a topic tonight, uh, and that topic is what to do when team members don't want to follow the established team rules. Um, who wants to start? Tice, you want to start? Yeah. So. Um, I guess a question that I have is it's kind of like I'm starting with the way you phrased the question. And when I say team member rules, a question I'd ask is how did the rules come into existence in the first place? Uh, the the situation I have in mind that actually they were agreed to by the team. Okay. Because I know something that I've I something I've experienced is where, hey, I'm the new team member and you show up and it's like it's like, well, here's what we do. The rules are on the wall. Go read the chart over there and just deal with it. And I'm like, that's not very welcoming to the team. So um, so if that's your environment, that's not a healthy environment to be in. Let's say that even if you are, you, you've come on new um, or you, you were at a retro where a decision was made. I don't think it matters here. You come on new to a team and they say, hey, here's the way that we work. And if you don't express anything against the way that they work and you're not asking questions or trying to figure it out at that point, you have openly accepted the terms. Well, even so, I mean, starting out, you shouldn't you know, necessarily jump all over because you probably don't know the reasons for the rules existing. I, I would caution to, you know, just come in and like, hey, we need to throw these rules out or change these rules. So but but the situation I'm thinking of here actually isn't isn't really that it's more, you know, uh, an established team. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's just a, an established well, I think rules. A good principle to apply just to really help. And this goes in any environment. This is just agile to build trust is if you come into an environment that is, that is work is being done, work is being done successfully to some degree. Let's assume positive intent to say that they have some rules. Okay. Maybe I don't agree with them personally because I don't understand them, but let, you know, to show you respect the people you work with, say, you know what? I'm going to try it out. And before I start to criticize, I actually want to make see if it's working in the environment you're in. Right. But so what happens when we have rules, but but some team members don't want to follow them? Well, let's say that um, you have a rule for um, PR reviews, right? That you actually do PRs. You don't just merge into master. And that... Um, you have an agreed upon uh, number of members possibly that have to review your PR, but everybody's pretty open in your organization. So 
they they leave the ability for if there's like two o'clock in the morning work and you are just getting a fix in, maybe you can just merge without that. So you have the ability to press merge, but the expectation is that you don't do it unless it's an emergency. Right. That's that's the case I've seen a couple of okay. times, actually. But that's life. I mean, and then you do and then you and then you merge anyway. Yeah, but then the there's time. a couple. There's one or two people that just merges without the the approval process um, that that was agreed upon too. So I guess the way I think about that is again, since we're talking about software, we're talking about you know, let's assume it's the two a.m. Sev one that happens where someone's got to make a patch to you know make sure things are up by two thirty, or you have to pay a million dollar SLA fine. Life happens. Somebody, you know, solves the problem. I think the conversation here is then what happens after the fact? And as a team, do we actually have like an issue debrief to talk about as a team what happened, what we did to mitigate the problem? And then do we do some kind of a mitigation activity to say this is how we're going to avoid that again? And it's a team activity. It's not, hey, Charlie solved the problem and he's the hero. Woohoo! You know? No, well, well. So, so you're not. You're you keep answering. Okay. You keep setting up a different straw man okay. to knock down. That's not the question I'm asking. I'm asking in a normal situation, you have a rule and you didn't follow it. It's not an well, exception Ava, to the Ava's rule. It's just you don't thing. want to follow so it's, the it's, rule. It's, it, it, Well, I was saying, I was saying that is the only exception. That's the reason that you're allowed to do it. Okay. And, and now, okay. You're, now you're doing it at. at, at 1 p.m. while you're sitting next well, to five so, so other people. So then the question is, well, then, so then why would we not do the exact same process that I'm talking about where we convene the team and we say, hey, what's up with this? And we have a conversation to figure out why a person is not following the norms. Uh, I, I know something we've talked about like about 100 episodes ago is maybe it would be better for that based upon who the person is. To, for that to be a one-on-one conversation with the you know someone on the team first, so it's not like that we're all bullying that person on the team, but uh, I'm questioning in this scenario has that conversation been had? Yeah, I think uh, I think depending on personalities, the one-on-one versus the uh, the group, uh, one may be better than the other in in different situations. Um, I don't disagree with that. And I think if you're on a team, I mean, actually, I've seen I'll, I'll try to see if I can find some of these during the show here. Uh, I've seen some great exercises that you could do as a team to assess at the team member level. What is your ability to receive and respond to feedback? Because what I you'll like find, that idea. yeah, because what you'll find on a team is you have some people like I'll, I'll, I'll own myself here. Okay, like I am high. I love feedback. I'm responsive. I'm like, you got feedback. Just let me know. I really don't care if it's in front of the team. If it's one on one, I'm very open to that. I'm very safe with that as a person. But I, I currently work with other people who are a little more. I've, I've just learned they're more restrictive on how they want to receive feedback. And they're, they're the kind of person that if you give them a individual comment in a retrospective, just say that happens, they're going to stand up and storm out of the room. Cause they're, they're, they're threatened by that. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that existed. I'm a lot like you, Tice. Like you can sit, you could walk into the room yeah. full of people and be like, Amos, you're being an idiot. And I'll be like, so okay, I'm why? not sure Let's which I am. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I prefer it one-on-one or, or in a group setting. Um, so that exercise you're talking about, Tice, is yeah, I'll try to find something it. that would help that 
help me figure that yeah. out about myself even. Yeah, I'll share like a, as a, a group that I work with, we did it. We actually did it as a team last year and oh, it it lit it up cuz we got into a we got into a fiery one after it cuz it was it was very I mean it, it requires you to be willing to be vulnerable, but it it was very actually helpful because what happened after we ha- went through this crazy day meeting, we actually had a better idea how to work with each other as individual members on a team. So again, like Amos and I, if you guys can't tell, we're pretty much open book and we'll go at it right here on a podcast with the world listening. However, Craig, I'm learning from what you're sharing here and you're being vulnerable that maybe you would prefer to have a one-on-one conversation. So, and, and these are the things that you just need to know to be a good member of a team and accept that it's going to be different because of there are different people on the team. Does it make sense? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we brought up a, an idea that I had seen on the internet um, that was kind of blown up a, a month or two ago on um, sort of writing up a read me for how I work. Like um, here's how I, you know, like to work with a manager or here's how I like to work with the coworker. And, and while that, that idea has some, some serious downsides, it has some upsides too. I think the biggest issue for me is that I don't necessarily know all the ways that I like to work. Um, and maybe Amos should write that for me because he's worked with me a lot of different times. Maybe we should, you know, pair up and write it about each other. Um, but, but having that activity to sort of pull we, it out is awesome. We can, we can do that right here. All right, let's do it. You want to do All it? Right, right how here? do I, how do I Verbally? work? How do, how do Out I prefer to work? Um, you know, surprisingly, I think that, uh, in my experience with you, you are, um, introverted, but, you like to work in a group setting and alongside somebody you like to work out loud and discuss ideas as you're, you're going through them. Um, and that you, I would say for the most part, if not all, um, are pretty good about taking criticism in public in light of you saying that you, you may not always be that way. And that you are often passive with your ideas. Like you'll put them out there, but you're not going to push a whole lot. That's interesting because I had to work at that. Well, maybe I, I, I feel like I've worked at that. That's interesting. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure I could describe you in that much um, detail. <laughs> Even though we've worked, obviously, I've worked with you just as much as you've worked with me, right? You just don't pay attention to me. That's what I just learned. Uh, that's it, because I'm introverted. And I'm always always inward looking. Well, and that's a good one, too. I mean, just, just things you can do as a team is like if you haven't taken a, you know, and there's a ton of them out there. There's, there's Myers-Briggs, there's Ocean, like some kind of like a team assessment, like a, from a personality, just to see what you've got, you know, um, I mean, sometimes it's like, yeah, uh, uh, Amos, I don't know you, but again, people can, people know I'm an extrovert, obviously talking on a podcast here, a lot, talking (laughs) a lot on a podcast. And so it's like, yeah. So what's funny to me, there is a certain amount of, of just social awareness and personal responsibility. Okay. Like again, having from four teams I've been on. Okay. There's two extroverts in the group and the other, the rest of the group, the other eight people are either uh, slightly or significantly introverted. Well, the two people who are extroverted, I mean, yeah, we, we do want to encourage 
open collaboration with our introverted colleagues, but we need to be mindful of where the social norm of the group is and how uh, we're kind of in the minority. So we've got to be open and inclusive to uh, to others. And, and there, to me, that changes if it's if it's a, you know, if it's an equal split, it's different than if, you know, you're the one outlier from the social norm. And I think it's just good to be aware of that and to, again, use that and how you react, because if you think about responsibility and life, you know, like you're saying here, Amos, I mean, the only thing in life that you could truly control is how you react. You ever think about that? You cannot oh, yeah. change other people. Oh. The, the best way yeah, to change can. somebody else is to change yourself. Yeah, Amos has been preaching yeah, so, that for so, a couple uh, months now. Well, so, but if you go back to that as a core, and if you, so step one is you got, if you think about responsibility, you got to accept that again, the only thing you control is how you react. And then number two, what information do you know about the people that you're working with to base your reaction on? And what I, what I find, and especially in a, sometimes in tech teams, we don't spend enough time like learning about the people we work with because we're too busy. Oh, we got to spend all of our time working on the code. I'm like, no, no, no. Take some time out, learn to work with the people. And guess what? You'll be able to work on the code better, more efficiently because you won't be bickering and you'll trust each other and you'll get more done if you spend a little bit of time getting to know the people you work with. So, so how do you do that on uh, let's, let's talk about a remote team. So um, I'm going to throw out one thing that I've, done on like fully remote teams um in order to do that is uh we would get together at lunchtime or right after lunchtime and play an online video game for a half hour i didn't even play online video games everybody else did i found out which ones they played and i said hey which one do you guys want to play and i went and bought it and i was terrible and i got my butt kicked all the time but we talked through that and it, it was just a social interaction, basically. So, I, and we learned how to work together because it was a game where you, you know, you had to work yeah, together. I'm sure there's some good retro exercises on helping you work as a team, um, maybe figuring out how how you work together. Um, one thing I recall from one team, and and I've heard this about other teams as well, um, as as sort of a, a concern that uh, retro facilitators have had, um, is when when some people on the team are vocal and others are or more passive, especially in a retro and, you know, you're shouting out ideas or whatever. Um, and the, the best answer I have for that is when you have those quiet people in a team and, and it's not all quiet people, then you have to find a way to make sure that those voices are heard. And the, the, the thing that works best for me is, is having everyone write down, you know, things on sticky notes and, and put them up and then having a discussion with that, that, that way that person has a voice. The other way is to basically go around the room and make sure everyone has uh, contributed to a, a given topic if they want to. Yeah. There's a lot of online sticky note stuff too for, for remote teams. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we do a lot of that. L I N O I T. I think, yeah, I think that's the one I was using for a long time. It works pretty well. And then the, you can get on the free version and, and share it. Uh, Wade, Wade uh, works with you, Tice. Yeah, yeah, Wade, Wade Stallman has team first development uh, <laughs> yeah, and talks a lot about doing improv, like five minutes of in, three to five minutes of improv at every standup before you start going or at the beginning of every retro can be a great way to start to build some trust because it's weird. Like being one, one thing is 
it, it builds teamwork in that you have to work as a team to to do an improv, right? You can't really disagree with somebody and have a great improv. Oh no, a bear! That's there's no bear here. You're yeah, we're actually. Up. It's funny. It doesn't work. <laughs> so, by the t- I doubt this podcast will be up by the time it happens. But so at, at the um at the Agile Games 2019 conference, uh, which is next week in early April 2019, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm doing a keynote, which um which uh, of course will be a game-based keynote because it's a game conference. So it's an interactive keynote, but what that we're actually going to do, we're going to do a, an activity that, uh, that we started doing a lot in the organization where I work called vulnerability stories. And so um, organization I work in, we, we really have focused a lot on some of the leadership practices of Patrick Lencioni out of five dysfunctions of a team. And also the advantage uh, advantage has gotten some pretty good press in the agile community by a lot, a lot of different coaches and people out there. And um our company went in full bore. Patrick came and did a leadership conference with us. We built a whole interactive curriculum. And then this, this activity that actually I'll share, we didn't use it at our company because it didn't make the cut uh, for the, for our conference. Uh, but it's an activity where we you actually roll a die and then the die tells you the dimension of vulnerability that you need to share about. And then you, we use story cubes and based upon what you see in the story cubes, the opportunity is for you to share a story about like, like maybe tell me a story about when you've failed and we'll, you do this as a team activity. And then the way that the activity is debriefed is the people that listen to the story that people tell, they can only give appreciation for what the person shares. So you can't like give them advice about, Oh, here's what you did wrong, blah, blah, blah. And so it it actually is kind of a, it's a twofold activity because it's designed to build trust by letting people be vulnerable but then also to foster a culture of appreciation because you're, um, you know, you're saying, Hey, Amos, I understand what happened there. And I really appreciate number one, that you shared that, but also that in that story, you were able to help someone else out and help, help, you know, the team be successful in the midst of all those challenges you just recounted. And so it kind of is a, it, it gets us to think a little more about listening and, and being kind to the people we work with, as opposed to being critical, which is something that, especially as engineers, like, like Amos, you and I, when we've worked together, we love to rip our ideas apart because that's how we think as engineers. But that I, that, that criticality, again, kind of like where if we apply to this, what we've learned in the podcast here, Someone like Craig, because of Craig's mindset, that could be very, very threatening. And so that's not a good way to act as a team. I, so how do you... I, oh, go ahead, Craig. How do you introduce sort of these soft skills topics when you've got some people that just want to, you know, get things done? They just want to focus on the tech and they just want to, you know, let's just turn out some code. How do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, I think you, I think you have to have the soft skills yourself <laughs> is, is part of it. Like you have to be able to transfer those. So, so, but once you have those in order to transfer them to someone else that is, you know, you're not going to hand them. Um, I'm because of what Tice just said about being like an empathetic listener or something like that is, uh, I'm not going to hand them seven habits of highly effective people, right? Because they're not going to read that if they're, if they're not the person that's after, that's just saying, Hey, we just need to get stuff done. Let's, let's stop talking about the, the team. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that's what I need to know is how do I transfer that to someone else? And, and I've had varying levels of success. Some of it is just, uh, I guess by example, you know, like I do a, a code yeah, review yeah. and I try to make sure that I don't just say, Hey, you need to fix this. 
I say, hey, I see what you're doing here. I try to put myself in their shoes and realize that they did the best they could with the information they had. And maybe I don't have all the information. Maybe they had more and their best is better than mine. And I'm just not realizing it. And I start to ask questions and tell them, hey, this is great. Uh, thank you for all your work. And and here's what I see you doing. Here's what I would do differently. Here's why. And And so that works for code review. But how about in-person interactions? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're setting an example is, is a good start, but it's, it's really a pretty slow, uh, growth, uh, method. Um, yeah, well, well, and a couple things. So from, um, like just Amos, since you're asking this, this like to me gets to the question of, like, how do you get permission to do exercises with groups? Do we want to talk about that or do we want to put that in the parking lot for later? I'm not following the question. Uh, I, I, well, I think that we can, I think it's part of it because if you're saying that exercises are a way to, to make those things work better and you have somebody saying, let at this retro, let's not talk about all this team stuff. Let's just get work done. Then how do you get them to even do yeah, an so, exercise. so Craig, did you have something you want to add before Wait, we go to that? Holy. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, cause, cause what I would say is to answer your question, it's funny. Cause we always get like, we have, we do have the games conference next week up in Boston. And uh, this question always comes up, but like for first timers, like, like this is great, but how do you guys do this? And I'm like, well, number one, by asking that question, you're kind of already creating your own barrier so number one, just do it, which is something, that, again, since we mentioned it, we plugged Wade Stallman stuff. That's something that he advocates for. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, uh, for people who are in a traditional organization with a hierarchy, of which many, many people out there are, um, a concept from Patrick Lencioni is this idea of what they call leader go first. So if you are a leader or a manager and you care about having high performing teams, go read the books written by smart people like Patrick and others. And the science all agrees that as a manager, you need to create safety by saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to create safety for this, this little vulnerability exercise by I'm going to be, I'm going to go first and I'm going to be vulnerable. So I'm going to tell a story about when I messed up as a manager, or I'm going to invite people on my team to give me feedback as the manager. And in doing so, you actually set the expectations that that is an accepted behavior within the group. Yeah, I've seen that. I've used and seen that technique and it works pretty well, I found. And it it's weird because that to me that's actually sort of true leadership is to is to lead by that example and, and make yourself vulnerable. Yeah, and, and the challenge then again, especially now in Agile, is not all Agile organizations have a hierarchy where this person is the manager of the team, so they will do the exercise first, you know, which is kind of the traditional mindset. So then it gets it gets down more to what you mentioned, Amos, where it is it is leadership by example. But the problem then is if if you're the person who is trying to lead, you've got to look at your own your own big picture and say, Am I acting like a leader? in the persona of my team enough that people are going to see me in that role to where I will have influence. So this goes back to where if you're like the person who's kind of like a jerk and like, okay, well he's an idiot. I don't want to work with him. So, you know, I don't care if he wants to do trust things, you know, cause he, cause he isn't open. He isn't empathetic. Even if he's not in a recognized leadership role, that's going to create challenges to doing this. Does it make sense? Yep. Okay. 
Yeah. I appreciate that because sometimes people are like, what the heck did you just say? So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, so h- how do you, what, what's a, a good way to start out showing and, and putting yourself in vulnerable position? Like it, what I can think of is, um, I remember a long time ago doing a retro exercise where everybody wrote two good things and one bad thing about a person Yeah, I, I, on like sticky notes and just do, do, what I, my thought is do a retro doing that, but just me like, Hey, can everybody do just me? And then if somebody else wants to stand up after that and say, okay, I did do you do too. that one time, Amos? Uh, I did, but I didn't do just me. Okay. Yeah, to say that—that's a. How did that go? I don't think. I don't know. I might have. Who knows? How did <laughs> it go though? Um, it, it went really well. Uh, I would. I remember. So this has been a while. <laughs> so I'm trying to think back about it, but I I remember coming out of there at least myself with some things that. Uh, I, I knew that I needed to work on. I didn't feel attacked. Um, and some people, I do remember them approaching me and saying, I'm the person that wrote this afterwards. They felt comfortable being Mm. open Mm. about it and saying who they were after beforehand. I don't think I would have ever got that from those people. Mm. But but afterwards, they were willing to to discuss so, it with me. I think probably because of how, like, when I read the bad stuff, I was like, yeah, okay. How do you guys think I can do this better? Like, what what is what are some things that I can do to improve today on this? And then what are some long-term things that I can do to improve on this thing that you said I was so bad at? Very- and these good things, are they... Or is there some way I can leverage them, hmm. the good things in order to fix the bad things because I already know how to do these apparently. So if I'm doing these well, can I leverage them to, to level up right. the thing that I'm not so doing? It's a very well? powerful exercise on, on, on finding ways to improve the way you work. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. And, and to, and to, you know, uh, well, I guess it is improving on the way you work, but in, to see how you're working with other people, which I think that uh, unless you're pair, if unless you're on a team that's pairing constantly, um, you can often not realize how you're working with other people. Oh yeah, I had the example Especially where if you're remote, yeah, I had the example where I was you know hugging the keyboard and didn't know it until my pair, you know, removed my keyboard from my my. Oh, hands. you had a keyboard extraction, yeah. Oh, in front of yeah. Yes, but it, but if you're remote, they it's hard oh, for yeah, them to do that. Definitely. And, and especially if they're less likely to be, they, there are some people I think that are more likely to pull your keyboard or like I, what I've done is kind of like slide my chair and keep sliding it towards theirs so that they have to keep sliding <laughs> away and suddenly I'm the only one in front of the keyboard. Uh, I thought um, you were just trying to get closer. Like, which is more subtle. Amos, that's an that's a <laughs> HR scenario. That's harassment. Yeah. Oh, well, not, not that close. Um, but, uh, now I forget where I was going. I th- I'm thinking about oh, HR. <laughs> oh, what did you do at work today, Amos? Ooh. 
My my wife is my HR department, so oh, that might have to be the show title right there. <laughs> okay, be really good. That's a good one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and I forgot where well, I was me, headed. All right, let's 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 review the the original question I had, which is uh, when team members don't want to follow established rules. So we've talked a lot about um, sort of getting to the maybe the getting to the bottom of why. But I, I kind of, I feel like we kind of had danced around it more than, than well, head on. I, I think that I think that what Tice is talking about here with the the being vulnerable and stuff like that. I think that uh, if someone is not willing to follow the rules, there's probably a trust issue. And if you can make yourself actually, I think ninety nine percent of team issues come down to trust but if you can make yourself and the rest of the team vulnerable and and get them to start feeling trust then maybe you can get to the bottom of it or you get them to do the exercise like i was just talking about ultimately and be open to it because everybody else has been and maybe they will uh learn through that hey i'm really hurting people when i do this so it's interesting that you brought up trust there because they're uh, that person that's not following the rules is actually breaking trust, and your your suggestion is actually to to build trust for, uh, of the of yourself in them. That, that's an interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, they're breaking move. trust, but I I think that when people break trust, it's often because they don't trust you. Well, I understand trust isn't like magical pixie dust that I can sprinkle on Amos and he trust and and all of a sudden he trusts me. I mean, it. it it goes back to the belief about the only thing you could control is how you respond. Right. So building trust with another person starts with you, not with them, but with you. So you need to be vulnerable and you need to do things to um, really to think about how you're showing up to build trust with them. And, and I guess why I've appreciated how this, this dialogue's kind of progressed is what I guess, Craig, what I see with your, especially with the initial question here is a lot of times like in, in retros and in the role that I've been in for the past few years where I've been out doing strategy sessions around the, around, around the world with different groups, you know, focusing a lot on sales, uh, execution strategy, business strategy. What I see a lot of is people that are trying to like actually solve the problem, but they don't have that foundational trust to actually have effective dialogue. So then, you know, people make false commitments. There's no accountability. Uh, you know, people will say anything to get out of the room, you know, like in a retro and there's no value to that. So unless you're going to confront the trust issue and build trust, then you're never going to get to having a substantive dialogue about how to follow the rules or changing the rules because it, it will be minimal engagement from at least one party involved. So then how do you, I mean, I, we've, we've touched on it, right. To, to build comfort and be vulnerable, but how do you build trust? So for me, I have this, this belief that if I meet you, I trust you. And I say a hundred percent, but somebody pointed out to me the other day that it's not actually a hundred percent. I trust you a hundred percent in my work life. It doesn't mean that I'm going to drop my kids off at your house for a weekend <laughs> camp out. Right. Uh, I, I hope that one day we, we're close enough that I trust you that much, but, um, that's more protection of my children, I guess, but, but I trust a hundred percent whenever I meet you until you break that trust. And then, then we have to work on it. But I, I think that's one of the main ways to get somebody to trust you is to trust them. 
so, but how do you build trust whenever you're not starting there? Cause I know some people just have a hard time from day one. They're not going to trust you till you prove it. Yeah. The, the trust, but verify mindset, right? Yeah. Well, or, or don't trust until you show me that you're trustworthy is really, it's not just trust, but verify. It's like, uh, almost hostile with some people. And, and I know that backgrounds and different lives that you've lived through can cause you to be that way. And it's a hard place to be. Um, so how, how do you build trust in that kind of So it's interesting. I was just thinking about what Ty said that, to you know, you can only affect you or you can only change your behaviors. Um, and so one thing you do is that you show trust in that person and they'll show trust in you. And that just brought to mind that, um, uh, that's actually a, a a technique that con men use um, that they show you trust. And then th- by doing that, they actually get you to trust them. And then they, they pull the con job on you. Um, so I'm not recommending that per se, but um, that, that is a, a point that it is basically built into our, our, uh, the way humans work. Yeah. So a, a couple of simple things, some of which we've done better of, tonight than others, including myself. Uh, So simple things. I won't go into the long list of complex things. So the idea of sharing appreciation, period. Like, again, I think something something that in Agile, especially, okay, hi, we're three engineers tonight. We're problem solvers. We're critical thinkers. We love to rip into things apart. So uh, in Agile, we create environments or actually it's just software development, take Agile out of this. We create environments where that's the social norm of the group where we inherently sometimes create a low trust environment because we're just always ripping each other's ideas apart. And as we've learned on the podcast site, some people are more open to that than others. So as a, as a person, learn to just say, hey, Craig, that's a great idea. And here's what I like about it. I may have a different idea in my in my back pocket, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm going to talk about your idea. Are Are you going to give us the Oreo cookie approach? I thought he was. I no, tell you a good no, thing, no, and that's then I fill wash. you with all the crap, and then that, I give you another. Like, thing. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to yes and me. Well, no, that's a good thing too. <laughs> yes but again, and. this fundamental thing, and again, I, I even do this when I used to facilitate retros a lot, where we would do appreciations at the end. It's like, yay! Guess what? If you're a facilitator, do that at the beginning. Because that builds safety in the group. Don't do it at the end. So, uh, to warm, warm, warm fuzzies. Yeah, I've done it both, and it's it's. I usually prefer to do it at the beginning. Yeah, it's better. So, um, so again, so step one, I think, is in a software engineering IT community, we have a deficit of not appreciating the ideas that are shared by others because we want to promote. We, we like our own ideas. We want to promote those, but we we jump to the promotion of our own ideas before we give other people the recognition they deserve for being vulnerable and sharing something that they did. So, step one is. Learn to do that. I, I would love to see if someone would go do a retro where your mechanism of input is appreciations of others. Very much like this activity we're going to do at the conference next week, where the only way you can respond to the story you hear is by providing appreciation for it. You can't critique it. You can provide appreciation. Next thing, not a good thing for me tonight. Just listen. This, so this idea of processing <laughs> feedback where you have to listen you have to think, and everyone thinks at different speeds, and then you respond. 
I think a lot of times people want to respond fast. They want to respond first and you respond like crap because you haven't thought about it. So, so I would say just listen, you know, let people talk. I'm not, I haven't done a good job of that tonight. I guess I have podcasts. Like I want to get all out of me. So it's like, ugh. but, but just, just <laughs> listen. Okay. And- so, so when I've been in places of sort of high authority, like a, a meetup that I run or, you know, been going to for 10, 12 years, um, I find that I have to work at that at the at the listening part instead of you know uh, instead of trying to always eject my my opinion and ideas um, and and it usually turns out well when I sit there and wait um, that that other people have you know important things to say to yeah you. cool thing I I decided I want to do something new this year so I like start doing the sketch note thing you know like on the iPad at conferences um, which I mean that's a fun activity if you've never tried that because it forces you to listen and you're going to be so engaged trying to draw something you won't have a chance to talk and then guess what someone will come up to you afterwards and say tell me about that crazy picture I saw you draw or I saw you put on Twitter and it's a different way to engage as opposed to just blabbing so so again this idea of doing some type of focused listening yeah podcasting although we blab a lot on this so <laughs> no, no that's that's my uh my my really notes, my okay sketch cool. notes. well thank you I'm no, interrupting you put that you. out there so, so I got that, well I got two more so that Craig I got two talk. more <laughs> Craig, you want to get in there? I got two more. This is my practical advice section. Uh, go ahead. We we need to wrap up in a few minutes. So, okay. um, so again, do n- your two one. points quickly, and then I've got some uh, other thought I have. Okay. So then I'll listen. So number one, again, appreciations. Get better at it. Number two, listen. Number three, assume positive intent. Sounds simple, but again, giving people the benefit of the doubt, which comes to listening because you need to listen. Uh, and assume that no one's out to get you, you know, assume that people have a good intention. And if not, and it becomes a pattern, you may have a bad egg in the basket, which you need to do something about, which maybe is a topic for a future podcast. And the last one is very simple, which I think is an activity anyone can do. And if you are a manager or a leader, you should model this to build trust is be is share your stuff, you know, no secrets, like, what are you doing this week? I'm the manager. Hey, look, here's my goals for the week. It's over here on the wall, you know, and everyone can see it. Um, I know a lot of organizations get benefits. They they say when people start uh, sharing their calendars openly. So like if you, you know, by default, an organization says everyone's calendar is open so everybody can see what kind of meetings are going on. That helps to build a lot of trust because there's awareness and everyone can go find out what people are doing by looking at calendars. Now, it can create a snooping problem, but that's a whole nother story. And on top of that, you look at some of the, the success that tools like Slack have had in the in IT, because guess what? Slack is pretty wide open to see stuff. So this idea of enabling more transparency in your environment uh, really does help to build trust. So I, 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 I try to be transparent in that vein, even with my personal life. Um, I say like what my goals are, what I'm doing this week. Uh, when whenever we have the stand-up bot come around, sometimes I answer. It's they have a bot in Slack that asks the basic stand-up questions. We also have a video stand-up outside of that. But um, I will I will often put like, when what did you do yesterday? Well, uh, my family and I went to a track meet in the afternoon. Like and and put that personal stuff and and share that. I think that really helps build some trust too. And whenever you're willing to share your personal life. Uh, but in that vein, whenever you see somebody in the morning, don't ask them how they're doing. That is a terrible question. How are you doing? 
I'm good. You? I'm good. Ask them what they're excited about today. What are they doing this weekend? Ask them and, and show a personal interest in the answer. That is way better a question to ask than how you doing? The the answer to how you doing is 90% of the time worthless to you anyway. It's it's not a question. It's just a nicety. Yes. Yes. So instead, engage them and ask them something deeper. All right. So I want to get back to the original question and I, and I have one other thought, <laughs> one other, one other answer. Um, so the question is, you know, the, the team member doesn't want to follow the established team rules. And um, so sometimes the answer is that person doesn't want to be on that team anymore. And um, that that's hard to address, but actually it might not be as hard as addressing the trust issues, honestly, um, the trust issues and the, and the figuring out the why, um, can so be really hard. Straight up ask that. I've actually done that before, although it was probably, I think it was before my tech career. Um, but I have found a lot of times when, you know, people don't like to, to fire people or let people go or whatever. Um, I found out a lot of times it's almost sort of a relief. It was sort of a mutual feeling before anyone said it. Um, and in some ways it's a relief to both sides. This week's hottest picks. Okay. So, um, so first and foremost, we always have to do an event pick. So, um, so if you happen to be anywhere, but preferably in the Midwest and the St. Louis area, we're going to have our Agile Midwest Conference in 2019. It's going to be in September this year. And we are looking for some awesome sessions. So we would love if you want to come and talk about pretty much anything Agile uh, or even business agility. Uh, our call for papers is open really actually through the early part of July 2019. So go to agilemidwest.org and there's a link that will take you over to Sessionize. You can submit your talk and we would love to have you come and talk at the conference this year and have some fun. So check that out. The other one that I did find, luckily, thanks to the power of Google during the podcast tonight, is the exercise that we talked about um, uh, that uh, that we did as a team um, in the group that I worked with last year to um, understand the strange brains of your coworkers to do your best work together. It is published on Medium by Jason Lankow uh, going back to 2016. So uh, we'll put the um, the notes to this uh, blog post with this exercise in it uh, in the show notes. And again, highly recommended. Uh, you end up mapping yourself against some different dimensions as a team. And then there's a debrief guide that will say, based upon how you map yourself, there's some very practical advice for how you should work with other people on your team based upon how they mapped themselves. So um, very practical. We did it. It took us about 45 minutes. It's a great retro style or a team building exercise for teams that have ongoing coaching sessions. So uh, we'll put that in the show notes and I'm going to throw it over to Amos to see if he has been able to come up with a pick as I was talking about mine. <laughs> Thanks, Dice. I, I think that uh, I, I look sell it, to Amos. It. Come on, sell I, it. We're selling now. We're selling no, some stuff. Well, I'm not I'm not selling yet. I just wanted to tell you thank you because I'm looking forward to, to seeing this exercise and, and trying to learn a little bit. 
Um, so I, I have to have my obligatory drink pick. So tonight I had Ballast Point Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. It's fantastic. It's one of my go-tos, uh, whenever I just want to make sure that I get something that I really like. Um, so try it out sometime. Uh, and then, uh, I, so this is my pick only because I'm, I've started to read it. Um, and I'm not very far into it, so I can't tell you whether I, I love it or not. Um, but it's The Little Typer by Daniel Friedman and David Christensen. Um, it's like the little schemer books. I don't, I think I might have too. I'm not sure if that's why I got this. <laughs> I don't remember why I decided to buy it, but I decided to buy it. It came out like right at the week of Strange Loop. Yeah. So either somebody is, because I bought it like right after Strange Loop. So, but I just finally got around to, to cracking the book open. Um, so I, I look forward to, to going through that. All right. Um, my pick tonight is uh, the concept of a single site browser. Um, so a single site browser is basically you create an application for a single website. Like, um, so I have created one for Jira and I have created one for Google meet and I've created one for a local radio station, um, that I like to listen to sometimes. So I'm on a Mac and I've tried three different single site browser generators. Uh, one is called coherence pro. The other is called unite two. Uh, those are both by the same company and uh, I think they're $10 and $5. And then there's a third one that's free called Fluid. And the the apps that they generate are um, you can give them a custom icon, um, a, an application name, and then they're kind of just a browser um, beyond that. Um, but it is nice to keep my Jira tickets separate from from everything else. If you're not going to do that, maybe consider having two different browsers for different purposes. Um, I actually have one for um, seriously work-related things and then another one for, you know, um, it's usually still technical things, but not directly work-related. So that is my advice. That's it for tonight, but we appreciate you as our listeners, so thanks for listening. And of course, if you have any feedback, we would love to know how we can improve, because all of us, myself, Craig, and Amos, we are living this Agile life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.